Philemon chapter 1 verse 6 Philemon 1 verse 6 I want to talk to you this morning just for a few minutes on how to effectively communicate your faith how many got something from last night how many realize that if God's going to do something it's not just through the pastor not just through the evangelist but God wants to raise up a kingdom of priests in this land hallelujah that are kingdom minded that know who they are that knew who they who, who they belong to come on now and are not just coming to church and doing their thing and then walking out and forgetting all about it, but are actually living this life. Philemon chapter 1 verse 6 says this. It says that the communication of your faith might become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you, which is in Christ Jesus. Or let me put it in a different way, uh, like another translation says, you will only become effect effective in your communication of your faith by acknowledging the one who lives within you which is Christ Jesus so let me just say that again so you understand the only way you're going to become effective in the communication of your faith is by acknowledging the one who lives within you which is Jesus Christ everybody say Christ in me the hope of glory well you know uh, you know when I was a, a younger preacher I used to use, and I still may use it. Uh, it would be out of context, but I still may use it. Uh, I don't think it would you know, suffer violence to the kingdom of God, and God would get all upset about it. But I found out, I used to use uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 for invitations and uh, for people to come and get right with God. And I used to say, you know, behold, he's, you know, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hear my voice, I'll come. And I will sup with him. And I used to use that for an invitation for people who didn't know Jesus. And tell them that Jesus is, you know, he's standing at your heart's door. And I think that we could, you know, really, you, you could really understand that. That they don't have Jesus on the inside. So, you know, he's standing at their heart's door. And even last night there was some knocking on people's doors last night. And, uh, but really when you look at that portion of scripture, if he, uh, Revelation 3 verse 20, it says, really, the, the truth is, that scripture was not written to uh, to unbelievers. It was written to the seven churches scattered about in Asia, you know, Ephesus and Philadelphia and Thyatira, you know, Pergamos and all that. And so uh, it wasn't it wasn't written to the unbeliever. It was actually written to believers. And so Jesus said, "This is interesting." Jesus said, "He said, Behold, I stand at your door and knock. And if any man hear me, I will open the door, and I'll come and I will sup with him." And so you need to understand that what Jesus was saying is, is, is I'm standing at your door and I'm knocking. Well, you know, the question would be, if he's talking to believers, the question is, what side of the door is he on? Is he on the outside trying to get in or is he on the inside trying to get out? So you've got to understand this, that when Jesus came to come and live in your life, and you asked him to be Lord of your life. You asked him, just put Philemon 1 verse 6 and just leave it there if you would for me. But when you asked Jesus to come into your life and live in your life, what you actually did was you made room in your house, if you will. And, you know, I think you notice how I, I pray with those who've given their heart to Jesus. I, I say, come into my house. Take control of this house. Well, you, you gave him your house. The only problem is I'm not so sure he has the freedom all the time to roam around in our house. Come on now. And so I found out sometimes, now none of you would, very few of you, of us, would actually walk out of church and say, okay, Jesus, get back in the closet. 
Very few of us would do that. But by the cares of life that come on us, if we're not careful, he more and more becomes a six or seven screen that's open. And there's, come on, on our computer. And there's other things that are dominating our thoughts and our life. And he becomes more in the recess. Come on now, what I'm talking about. And so I found out that, <clears throat> I found out that there's many people that, that, that have a tendency just to compartmentalize our life. How many know what I mean by compartmentalize? Get my words all wixed up now. By compartmentalizing our life. You know, uh, when I was uh, in high school, you know, uh, you know, I'd go to the, to the locker and I'd pull out my math book. And I go to math, and it's math, 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 math. The bell rings, boom! Praise God! And I walk down the hall, open up the locker, and there goes my math book. And I never ever think about math again until you know two or three days later when I have math. Come on now! I found out a lot of Christians live their life like that. They come into the house of God and they think about God, 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 and and what happens is, while they're in the presence of God, they begin to let him out. And he comes out of the closet or he comes out of that little nook and cranny, wherever, you know, whatever room you stuffed them in. And you, I'm, I'm not sure you didn't intend to do it, but I happen to know that we all have done that from time to time. And so we let him out. And if we're in a good place like this, man, it isn't long before him. And Jesus just gets into our hands and he gets into our feet and he gets into our mouth. Come on now. And, you know, come on. How many know what I'm talking about? And we've let him out. And all of a sudden he starts to sup with us or he starts to commune with us. Come on now. And, and it's sweet. Amen. And we want to just live like that all the time. But the only problem is we walk out and we throw the book back in the locker. Come on now. Right? And Jesus said the communication, what's even worse, is you have an evangelist come by and try to tell you, you know, we all ought to be reaching the lost. And there's a harvest there. And if you're not careful, you know, you catch the, the concept of reaching the lost, but you throw Jesus back in the closet. And then you go out all week trying to minister Jesus out of your head or out of your flesh. And it don't work. Because when they can't see a living Jesus on the inside of you, my God, you'll never communicate because we are never, stand up, Pastor Jonathan, for a second, we are never meant to minister head to head and we're never meant to minister body to body, but we're supposed to minister spirit to spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you getting this? And so uh, this is what's so interesting because last night I talked and Peter said, he said it wasn't my own power because we know the power comes from and we know the glory goes to. Nevertheless, God uses. And the Holy Spirit is a great helper. Hallelujah. And we need all the help we can get. Hallelujah. Charge up, charge up, charging, charging, charging. Zap. Okay, so we got that. So, But understand this is how is it? And it, Peter said, it's not my own power. And he said, it's not my own holiness. Well, we sang songs about holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And how many know we ought to desire to be more like Jesus, hallelujah, in character, in, co in content, in the fruits, hallelujah. And we need to let Jesus work in our life because if you don't, you know, God might use you, but the credibility of your life down the road is going to throw people off. Come on now. And so it's important. But how many know this and how many ever realize this, that some of the greatest soul winners are those who just got saved? 
They don't have all their act together. They don't have all their stuff together. I mean, you look at them and you think, my God, life's got a mess, man. We've got to lay hands on them and, you know, cast out every devil out of them. And, but you look at their life and you think they still got this going on. They still got that issue. and They still got that issue. But they have an awareness of something that sometimes we don't have an awareness in. And that is that they invited Christ in their life and they got Christ in them, the hope of glory. And so they're walking around, they're still maybe doing the wrong things, and they're saying the wrong things, they don't know how to articulate everything perfectly like you would, but they have an awareness of Christ in them, and some of the greatest soul winners are those who just got saved. Why? Because they have a revelation Christ in them, the hope of glory. Come on now. Some of you ought to just grab your belly right now just for a second and get a revelation on this because you'll never minister out of your head. You'll never minister out of your flesh. Uh, uh, we got all kind. I go to churches where they got professional worship teams and there's not an anointing on it and I just say, oh my God, you know. But I'll tell you something, it's the Spirit of God that flows through. It's not, you know, God can anoint a donkey. He can anoint somebody who can't even sing if that's all you got. But thank God, God gives us talent too. Amen. And a spirit of excellence. But you need to know that all ministry comes from out of the inner man. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so the word of the Lord says that the communication of your faith will only become effective when you acknowledge the one who lives inside of you. So I'm convinced that's why most prophetic words, most words of knowledge, come only in the church because that's when most people only let Jesus out. But I'm absolutely convinced that words of knowledge and words of revelation and the gifts of the Spirit ought to be operating not just through pastors and evangelists and apostles and prophets, but I'm convinced that words of knowledge and wisdom and the gifts of the Spirit ought to be working through the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, and you! Come on now. And so we gotta we gotta break this paradigm. It's a it's a it's a it's a dangerous paradigm that we've been living in. And I believe that when we do break this paradigm, we're gonna see the glory of God move across this nation. Hallelujah! How many know that if you were born with a uh, uh, you know if you were 20 years old, some of you gonna have to look forward, some of you gonna have to look back, but it's all right. Uh, when you were 20 years old, if you had an inheritance of $5 million, how many know the way you look at wor the world would be much different than everybody else? Come on now. Um, and so, you know, while you're, you know, everybody else is thinking about how to pay school fees and pay back their loans, and they're thinking about how to buy a ring, and, and they're thinking about how to buy, you know, get down payment on a house, you're not even thinking about those things because you're light years beyond them if you had that inheritance. Come on now, everybody understand that? Well, you see, you need to know this right now that, that you might look like the rest of the world, like I said last night. You might drive a similar vehicle like the rest of the world, but you are not, you is not like the rest of the world because the Word of God says you have been given an inheritance, hallelujah. And Ephesians says, and Paul the Apostle, let me just put my words, own words, that you would know the heights and the depths and the breadth and the width and, and you would get a clue as to what your inheritance really is. Come on now. Everybody say treasure. An earthen vessel. Christ in me. The hope of glory. Something within me. God, hope. Some of you don't have a clue because you weren't here last night. You can get the CD. Hallelujah. Buy two. Praise God. Listen to them twice. Hallelujah. So, uh, no, but understand. So, so then you know the story. Probably heard this story, but it's so apt. 
you know, so fits right here, is a story of the, the German family that escaped what we now know as the Holocaust. They, came, they bought tickets and came across the ocean. Back then, you know, it, caught, it took 7 to 11 weeks or 12 weeks sometimes to cross over the Atlantic Ocean. So the mom, the dad, the two daughters, the son, and the mother-in-law, they're all on the boat, and they're all coming over. And it's about the fourth week into the trip, and the captain's walking on the deck, <clears throat> and he sees his family all sitting there eating out of a paper bag. And he says to them, he said, Sir, he said, I've noticed that that you uh, have not been down to the cafeteria for breakfast, lunch, or supper for any of the meals. Is there something wrong? Do you have a different diet? Maybe we can help you with that. Do you have a different diet than what we're giving? Or, or what is the, why is it, do you not like the food? Or what is the problem? And uh, this German says, he said, you don't understand. We has just escaped for our life. And we have... We have, uh, you know, we just, we scraped together every dollar after everything was taken. We had to borrow, beg, you know, and, and get this money to get together to buy the tickets to come over across the ocean. And, uh, and we didn't have money for the meal tickets. And the captain looked at him and said, no, he said, you don't understand. He said, when you bought the tickets, the meals come with it. Now, see, I'm, I'm convinced that there's a lot of Christians. I hope it's not you. But there's a lot of Christians that, you know, they got a ticket to ride, man. And when the roll is called up yonder, we're going to slap a B for boogie and we're going to split, man. Come on now. I mean, we're going. I'm going to ride. Hallelujah. And, uh, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll be there just a split second before me because the Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise first. <laughs> Sorry. That was a bad confession. Hallelujah. That's just a joke. Don't take Don't get all. I'm not listening to another word. Come here. I'll I'll help you. Praise God. Okay. So, you know, so, so understand and see, I found out there's a lot of Christians that they got in their mentality, their understanding that they got a ticket to heaven and praise God, they're going to go to heaven someday. The only problem is on their way to heaven, they're living like they're in hell. I had one lady come up to me a few weeks ago. She said, God burned down my church, my house. And I said to her, I said, which God was that? Same God you serve. I said, oh, no, honey. My God would never do something like that. But I found out some people are so demented and twisted in their thinking about how they're supposed to live on this earth. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you God called you into a land of abundance. He called you in a place of blessing. Hallelujah. He called you in a place where you'd be the head, not the tail, above only and not beneath. Hallelujah. He called you in a place where you would look at something and say, if God before me, who in this world can be against me? Hallelujah. I'm so glad I'm on my way to heaven. But the meals come with it. Hallelujah. And I'm going to enjoy my life. Hallelujah. Everybody say treasure. So the communication of your faith only becomes, so you would, you know, Paul the Apostle, I love what Paul the Apostle says. He said, we have the same spirit of faith. I think if you hung around with Paul the Apostle, you'd see a little bit of attitude. I mean, he'd either make you mad or glad, one or the other. I mean, tell you, I don't think there'd be any in between. But, you see, you've got to understand that there is a treasure in earthen vessel, and you can't just pull them out once in a while. If you want to effectively communicate your faith, you're going to have to have a strong revelation that in Him you live and you move. 
and you have your being. And it's not just Wednesday night, and not just at devotion time in the morning. It's not just on Sunday, but there's a 24-hour, uh, you know, seven days a week, 365 days a year revelation that he's not coming and going and going and coming and coming and going and going. See, the old covenant, the Spirit of God would come down and lift up and come down and lift up, come down and lift up. But I'm here to tell you, if you open up your life to Jesus, if you ask him to come inside, my Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, he will never... Never, no, never, no, never, ever leave you nor forsake you. Hallelujah. Well, I don't feel him. Well, you're not supposed to walk by feelings. Can I tell you this? On your worst, rotten, ugliest, bad hair day. Okay, I'll go through the whole thing again. But on your worst day, Jesus is still there. On the day you look in the mirror and you have maybe, you know, had a fight and you said some things you shouldn't have said and, and you just look at yourself and say, how could I possibly be really a representative of Jesus? On that bad day, on that worst day, he's still a very present help in times of trouble. Hallelujah. Because he's as close as your breath. Because he lives inside of you. Hallelujah. And he said, I will never, no, never, no, never, ever leave you nor forsake you. I know there's a lot of Christians. They're looking for love in all the wrong places. Come, Jesus, come. Where'd he go? I'll tell you, he's right here. Come on, put your hand on your belly and just get a revelation right now. Christ in me. The hope of glory. Hallelujah. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. I'll tell you something. Stand up for a second, sir. I want to just show you how this works because there is a spirit within man. Hallelujah. And it's called Christ. Just stand this way. See, you, I, I used to wear, this is the first year that I've stopped wearing ties. Uh, mostly, I wore them about four or five times this year. But, but uh, I, I mean, I wore ties since I was knee-high to a grasshopper. Not just to church, but when I pastored, every day I put on a tie. And, and so, praise God. But um, I like ties. But I just want to show you, see, the spirit, the spirit of God is right here. It's right here. It's that spirit you felt when it was offering time. When your head said, I got bills, and I don't know how this, come on, just loosen up a bit. I got bills. I don't know how this is going to work. Come on now. The spirit said, yeah. Come on now. How many know what I'm talking about? And I just talk about offering because it's already been taken, so don't get all nervous. But Because I'm not going to take up a second one, but just understand that that's how it works. The spirit's going yes, and the head's going now, how many, how many have a few battles like that once in a while in your life? How many have that happen four or five or six times a day? How many have that happen a lot of times during the week? Can I tell you, if you don't have that happening, you're not saved. Now, I'm not suggesting that there's a world war inside, but I'm telling you right now, there is a battle between this man and this man. Give. Oh, I got bills. Go visit somebody down the street. I'm tired. I'm tired. Go visit that person down the street. No. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? See, the, the only way your communication, praise God. The Spirit's always speaking. The only way the communication of your faith ever becomes effectual is when you learn not to turn the brain off because God doesn't want you walking through the world brainless. Not to turn off the body and say, I don't care about what it looks like or whatever but to, to make sure you are presentable in this world. Hallelujah. Come on now. And with a spirit of excellence, but to live your life from the inside out. You know, the Word of God says walk in the Spirit. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? It means to live your life from the inside out. It means that this man dominates. The communication of your faith only becomes effectual 
when you acknowledge the one who lives inside of you. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Come on now. If you all had ties, I'd have you start waving your ties. Come on now. I remember when I was a kid, we'd have those hanky-waving services, you know. We have the tie-waving services. So you need to understand. But how many, sit down. Stop showing off. But how many know what I'm talking about? It's like your spirit's going yes, and you're like, <laughs> but your spirit's saying yes. You know what I'm talking about. The problem is most of us are more sensitive or more tuned into what we think up here and more tuned into what we feel than we are what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us. Therefore, when we do out of duty try to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, what happens is we minister out of the flesh and the flesh doesn't produce anything. Amen? So let me just, and I'm going to just move on here. So I'm not changing messages here, but it will all fit together, okay? Just want to know. I'm just kind of sidestepping and come back now. So how many know the power of your mouth is important? The words of your mouth is important. What you say over your mouth is important. So be careful. And I just want to remind you that it is possible to have good confession in many areas of your life, but slip in an area. And thus suffer the consequences. My wife and I, we know that, uh, you know, in our life, and I'm not going to take a long time, but my wife would know, and my son and my, my family would know that we kept our confession good in every area of our life, but in one area we blew it. And because of it, we suffered the consequences for many years. And uh, when God finally showed me, uh, because I was sensitive enough to hear, I went to him, you know, and I don't have time to share the story, but just to tell you that it's possible to have not kept your confession up in an area and just have a blind spot. So if somebody, you know, shows you that, don't get mad at them, but help them, you know, let the Spirit minister to you because you don't want to suffer. Now, God turned it all around for us in, in a course of four months. I mean, just terrible. It had to do, you know, with buildings that, that, that I had and uh, that were just a drain on me for years. But God turned it around for me in a course of four months to the point that if I had sold anything at one time, I would have, had, I would have actually sold everything and still owed a lot of money to the point that in four months later, I, I, I sold everything and I had a good gain. Hallelujah. And so God turned that around for me, but it was the power of my tongue. So your mouth is very important. Come on now. And I always say this, you know, preacher says, you got to, you know, they come up to me and say, do you have a tape on, on healing? Do you have a tape on, you know, on, on, on prosperity? I say, yeah, it's called duct tape. Just put it over your mouth and shut up. I actually considered at one time buying some duct tape and selling them with my books. Because some of you, you want, you know, things to get better in your life. And uh, my, my mom always taught me, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And so if you, if you can't order your conversation, because the Bible says, under him that ordereth his conversation right, will I show the salvation of God. So if you can't order your conversation rightly, just buy some duct tape. Put it over your mouth. You'll actually lose weight too. Hallelujah. And uh, then, you know, after you get enough word in you, you can just open up and say, praise God, and then put it back on there, you know. So how many know the words of our mouth are important? Come on, you got to listen. You guys are too easy to preach to. I can have fun with you, and then, then it takes too long, and I'm going to be here. No, we're not going to be. So, and, so how many know the words of your mouth are important? How many would think maybe if your words of your mouth are important, how many would think your thought life's even more important? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, so your believing uh, drives your speaking. That's why some people can't say they're healed. 
because they don't believe they're healed. And they don't want to be a liar. And so they can't say they're healed because they don't believe they're healed. They can't say they're blessed because they don't, want to, they don't want to be a liar. And they don't believe they're blessed, so they can't say they're blessed. So how many understand that your believing would actually be more important than your speaking? And so let me just show you for a minute. Now, I'm not taking, I'm, this is all fit together. The communication of your faith only becomes effective by the acknowledging of the one who lives inside of you, who is Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. He lives inside of me, right? Okay, so if we realize this, then, you know, the way we think is vitally important uh, to uh, who we are and, and ha- what we communicate on the outside. Because the, the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart or believes in his heart, so is he. Come on now. And so uh, your thought life, let me just tell you something. You might think of your words as important because, you know, you remember the illustration, you know, in Sunday school, they'd take the toothpaste and they'd squeeze it out and say, now the toothpaste, and come on now, kids, you try to put that toothpaste back in. We got toothpaste all over our, in our hair and on our clothes. And mom, mama said, what, what went on down there? You have a tooth, toothpaste war? And I said, no, they were trying to teach something. Once, the, you know, once you get a word out of your mouth, you can't take it back. Right? But how many know this, that your thought life, and so we know that our words are tangible, they have material structure, that they actually produce something or tear down something. Come on now, right? But how many know your thought life is actually material? See, I know the thought life is material because the Word of God says, pulling down every stronghold, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Come on now, right? Okay, so you need to think of your thought life like scaffolding on the inside of you. Scaffolding. And how many know scaffolding is there to either, you know, when people erect scaffolding, they're either doing one thing or another. They're either going to construct or destruct. Now, let me just tell you, if you have good thought life on the inside, you have uh, good scaffolding. That scaffolding is set up on the inside of your life. It's going to bring construction. If you are always thinking about negative things, then, then the scaffolding on the inside of your life is going to bring destruction. In other words, let's put it this way. The Word of God says, receive with meekness the engrafted Word, which is able to save your soul. Well, your spirit's already saved if you know Jesus. You're already on your way to heaven. But the Word of God says, receive with meekness the engrafted Word that's able to save your soul. And in other words, receive with meekness the Word of God so that your life on this earth will be better and more reflect the kingdom of God. In other words, receive on the inside so that the outside will look better and not just be, you know, superficial and artificial and pretentious, but actually will be that. So the word of God says receive with meekness. Everybody say meekness. The engrafted word. So we could say if there is instruction and if you properly receive the instruction, how many know if there is instruction, there will be construction. So what's on the inside will come to the outside because out of the abundance of the heart the man thinks and and, and, and as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Right? So no instruction, no construction. Do you get that? So that's why it's very important. So Jesus said, one time he said, he said, take heed to how you hear a matter. I'm just putting in my own words for the sake of time. Uh, take heed to how you hear a matter for the measure of thought you put into what you hear is the measure of harvest you'll get out of it. How many ever heard a scripture like that before? Okay. 
So what was the word of God saying? It's saying, take heed if you, if you go out of here today and you say, well, the preacher preached a good message. You walk out and then you th- start thinking about Christian chicken or, you know, um, you know I don't know if you have Swiss LA around here, but, you know, I know they're going to go out of business in Ontario if, if, uh, the, when the rapture takes place because the Christians keep, you know, Swiss LA alive. I don't know. Anyways, but uh, at any rate, so I don't do you have Swiss LA around here? Oh, thank God. Hallelujah. All the way in Edmonton. Praise God. So, no, but understand this. You see, uh, the idea is very simply that, that what you think when you go out of here, if you don't pay attention to what you heard, or you just hear noise, or you just heard it, a sermon, or it just went into your brain, then that's the level of harvest you're going to get out of it. But if you meditate upon it. You know, some of us have become professionals. We even take notes. But we never again turn around and look at our notes. Come on now, don't shout me down because I'm telling the truth. So, uh, you know, we've become really good at that. We've been getting good at nodding. We've been good at responding to the preacher and saying hallelujah at the right time and nodding our head and smiling and looking pretty. But what do you do with that word when you go out of the house of the Lord? Hallelujah. What do you do? Because the more you think about it, the more you meditate upon it, and it works in the reverse. Somebody done you something wrong, if you curse it, rehearse it, and nurse it, then you know what? It's just going to become a thing in your life, a stronghold on the inside, and that it, that scaffolding on the inside is going to bring destruction on the outside and everybody's going to see it. But if you think about the things of God and you meditate upon them and you think about them and you, you, you work it through and you let God work in your life, the more you meditate upon it, the more you get a revelation. Because how many know everything we do in the house of God, whether it's children's ministry, whether it's worship, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, whatever we do, whether it's just a fellowship time. But the ultimate goal of everything, how many would agree with this, is to bring you to a place of revelation. It's not just to bring you to a place of information. Now, information could bring you to a place of revelation if you listen to it. It's not just to bring you to a place of inspiration, but it's to bring you to a place of revelation. Because if you get on the inside revelation, are you ready for this? If you get on the inside of your revelation, there will be a manifestation. If you get on the inside of you a revelation, there'll be a manifestation, and it will also bring a demonstration. Woo! That's why we look at some people's lives and we don't see, we see manifestations of ugly things. We see manifestations of, of ugly demonstrations because what's happening in their life is that the scaffolding on the inside of their life is there, and it's, it's tearing them down rather than building them up. Everybody say, my thought life. So you got to know that there's a Jesus in, inside and he doesn't want to be locked away. He wants to get into your brain. He wants to get into your thought life. He wants to get into your thought process so that you can properly receive the instruction so that there will be more construction. See, I'm expecting that if I come back here, that next time I come back here, you, some of you are going to be more bold and more strong and more anointed and more acquainted with the things of God because you've been meditating upon the Word both day and night. And the Spirit of the Lord said, if you meditate upon the Word of the Lord, I'll make your way successful and I'll bring good success. Hallelujah. Haven't I commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Hallelujah. Good preaching, Brother Mark. Everybody say, Jesus on the inside. So your thought life has everything, everything to do. So last trip I was over in Africa and I decided I'm going to fast from my computer. It was no hardship. I was like, praise God, I'm not taking my computer and get it. Because we work, you know, the way we do ministry today, man. You've got to have your laptop open and your phone there and your Blackberry. And it's just, you know, it's not like it was years ago. 
And so, you know, one pastor, you have to get them on Facebook. Another pastor, you get them on Twitter. Another pastor, you get them on, you know, email. And come on now. Another pastor, you phone them. And some pastor, you never get a hold of, no matter what. And, uh, and, so, and, and so, you know, it's just the way it is. It's, we live in a different world. So I said, I'm going to leave my laptop behind, praise God. And so I, got, I come over to Africa. But the, the crazy thing is I brought my Blackberry. Now, so now I basically got a computer, but I got smaller buttons. And so on the first day I'm there, I'm thinking, oh, well, maybe I'll just keep a little journal, paragraph each day, and I'll just keep a little journal what God's doing. And after about four or five days, I start looking at a couple paragraphs. And on the third week, I actually typed for four and a half hours on my BlackBerry. Now I'm all thumbs. And so I'm typing on my BlackBerry, and I've got to, I'm thinking, man, this is going to be a great book. It's going to be a good read, hallelujah. And I'm typing away, and I'm just, you know, and I have four and a half hours, I'm typing, you know, some of the stories and the opposition we had and mixed together with some of the, the things that I've learned on my 27 years of ministry, and I'm just putting this all together, and I'm just having a great time. And I'm thinking, well, this is good. And I felt inspired, I'll tell you something. I mean, I'm just, you know, moving. A lot of spelling mistakes, but my wife can correct them when they send them back. And, you know, so I'm just, you know, I'm on there, and praise God, I'm ready. I'm just like, wow, this is really good. This is going to be good. And I went to push send, and my thumb hit delete. Four and a half hours. And my heart sank because I knew that I could probably get some of the concept. I could rehearse some of the things that had happened, but it was just written very well. It was one of those days where you just knew there wasn't, apart from spelling and grammar, there wasn't going to be half a lot of editing. Come on now. And so I called my wife on a satellite phone. I said, honey, you just ain't getting anything today. And I was, you know, I was, my heart just sank. But I thought about it. That's kind of what happens on, you know, when the preacher gets up to preach. You know, we, uh, you know, sermons don't just come. It didn't just drop out of the sky, you know. You know, it doesn't matter how anointed you are. You have to study to show yourself approved unto God. Amen. And, uh, you know, there's one scripture I had one Bible college. We had preaching times and one guy got up and just went like this. He stood there for four minutes, and the teacher told him, the professor told him to sit down. He said, what will you do? And he said, well, the Bible says open your mouth, and I will fill it. And, uh, you know, so he said, that's what I did. He said, did you study? No. Did you, did you try to prepare anything? No. He said, well, you know what? That verse is not talking about people that, that are lazy and, and uh, you know, not going to do anything. It's talking about people that have, you know, worked hard and maybe had a whole bunch of things go on in the week. And, you, you know, and then, you know, you didn't, you know, you only had a little bit of time to study and you're just a little bit nervous and, and intrepidated. But, but you're going to get up there and God's going to be with you. Come on now. Because the Bible, Bible says study to show yourself approved unto God. So you know, us preachers, we get up, you know, we just, it's not like we just get up there and just kind of, you know, just blow wind, although you might think we're blowing wind, but, uh, um, you know, we, we actually have actually taken time. There's a little kernel, and it, you know, starts to mull around our spirit, and then it starts to, you know, the water starts to, the, the water starts going on, and it starts to become uh, a breakout of, the, of that shell, and there starts to be a little bit of branch, and there starts to be some something to hang some things on, and after a while, you got a few branches, and then, you know, there's a little bit of fruit on it, and then you go, go away for a while. You worked hard to get all that, and you go away for a while, and, you know, you start, you know, working through life life that week, and, and then God gives you an illustration that would hang on one of those branches. Come on now. And, uh, you know, you, you you do that, and you work at it, and you come back to it, and then, you, you know, you go away from it, you come back to it again, and just before you go to preach, you know, you come back the night before maybe you put some final touches on it and then just before you go to preach you just bring it all through the filter to make sure you got what God wants for the people and it's a lot of work 
Somebody said, preacher, what do you do? You know, when I was pastoring, he said, what do you do all week? You only preach four times a week. I, I said, Doc, come on. I'll dare you. You just preach once. See how, you know, a, a good message. Come on in. And so you, what we don't realize is that, that these preachers, ministers that have come, our way have come, they have prayed, they have studied, they have sought God. And we type it on your screen. And we have, you know, we, we wish we did. But we have no ability to determine what you do with it after we typed on your screen. And you can walk out of here and you can push enter and you can say, I'm coming back to it and I'm going to meditate upon it and I'm going to read it over and I'm going to, I'm going to look at it and I'm going to apply it to my life. Or you can walk out of here and you can push delete or you can walk out of here. What most Christians do is they walk out of the presence of God. They don't push delete because that wouldn't be right. That would just be downright wrong. But they don't push enter. And what happens is they go out into the world and the screens and the other things come on the scene. And little by little, that whole thing gets pushed back in the background for until there's 20 or 30 screens going over and what was preached never penetrates come on now and faith doesn't come by hearing noise faith comes by getting understanding and so Jesus said take heed to how you hear a matter okay now you're going to have to move quick now so this is me with this you need to know this how many know the communication of our faith comes effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in us which is in Christ Jesus okay how many know your thought life is very important so listen to me, let me tell you this. I don't care who it is, who you ever hear, your favorite preacher, I don't care who it is, because all you, you know, we have access to the internet now, we have access to CDs and books and all kinds of things, and maybe you have some other preachers that you like. I mean, I don't know how you could ever, you know, uh, you know the greatest preacher ought to be the pastor in your life, amen? And the, and the person of God that speaks in your life every day, because they're actually living it in front of you, and you don't know how those other people are living. Come on now. And so, but I want to see, you need to know that it doesn't matter how much respect you have for somebody, there are three things, three things, everybody say three things, that you cannot, you cannot allow to change your internal world. There are three things that you need to have as solid convictions or core convictions on the inside of you if you're going to properly communicate a living Jesus. Okay, ready? Because I want to finish this up. It's not going to take long. I hope. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, are you ready? Here it is. One, God is a good God. And I say, I know, you say, I say God is a good God, and you'll say all the time, and, and I'll say and all the time, and you'll say he is good, and, and I'll say that's his nature, and we have learned to respond to that, but I'm not so sure. And frankly, I've had it up to here with churches who know how to say God's a good God on Sunday and Wednesday, but during the week I have heard preachers and leaders from that very church accuse God and use what's go going on in their life to cause accusation against God. You need to know God is not good with a little bit of shadiness in Him. God is not... See, I've heard people say, well, you know, sometimes God does things sneakily and He tricks us and all that kind of stuff. You need to know God is so good. He has no shadiness in Him. He is so good. It is embarrassing. So listen, I found out even in word faith circles that there's people that are building lists on the inside of Remember your, your scaffolding? If it's good thoughts, there'll be construction. If there's revelation, there'll be manifestation. But I've heard people, I've seen people, they're building secretly. Now you would never, none of you would ever open your mouth and accuse God. But if secretly in your heart you have a list of things that didn't go the way you were believing God, or you have a list of things that you don't understand, 
and you got them on a list that is big question mark and, and you're accusing God. Listen to me. I'm telling you, that is scaffolding on the inside that is destroying your construction on the outside. That is lack of revelation on the inside that is destroying your manifestation on the inside. Listen to me. If your God is your problem, then who is your solution? And if your God is your problem, then how will you ever communicate a good God to a suffering, dying, bleeding, dying world? Come on now. So I've got to tell you something. Listen to me. If you, anything you think you know about God does not line up with the person of Jesus Christ, you need to cross-check it or cross-chuck it. And I hear Christians all the time. They've got some squirrely ideas from you know, some little portion of Scripture in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant. But honey, we ain't living in the Old Covenant. Hebrews says we have a better, 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 better covenant. And if you can't see what you think you know about God in the person of Jesus Christ, uh, then you need to get rid of it because, listen to me, my Bible says in Jesus Christ dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily and we are complete in Him. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, me and my Father, we are one. So listen. You say, I know, okay, let's get real, preacher, now. See, I know you know all that. Now, here's, here's, here's where the rubber meets the road. But get real, preacher, there's been some things happen that I just don't understand. I know that. Say, Brother Mark, how do you deal with it? Here's how I deal with it. There are some things I don't know. There are some things I can't answer. But I know how I deal with it. I take it to the altar. And I cast my care on him because he cares for me. And when I leave that altar, I walk out of that altar knowing my God is a good God in the land of the living. Say, well, preacher, you just don't know what I've gone through or you don't know what I've seen. Listen, I probably could write the book about what you've gone through and probably could write the book about what you see. Not that I'm trying to be, you know, pompous or think I'm better than you. I just, I've been around. I understand. But I know this, if God is your problem, how can you ever communicate to anybody that it's their solution? So somebody said, you know, I don't know whether you noticed, but I'm missing a finger. And back in 1995, I contracted uh, the flesh-eating virus right in Ontario. And it was in newspapers. Eleven people die with flesh-eating virus. Preacher loses his middle finger. And the big joke was that a preacher didn't need a middle finger. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, it depends on which your church is. <laughs> Come on, don't get all nervous. The Bible said shake the dust, right? And so, uh, you know, so I'm in intensive care. I have all these surgeries and, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, I don't know why I went through all that. I can't to this day tell you why I went through it, but I can tell you this. God brought me through it. Amen. And so at the end of this, listen to me now. So you've got to understand this. You've got to get the right spin on what happens in your life. Because if there's any view in your mind, in your own core, maybe you'd never open your mouth and say it. But if there's any view in your mind that God could possibly be your problem, then you're going to have problems communicating a God who is other people's solution. Okay? So, 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 so afterwards, I go through 70 surgeries and intensive care and my lungs shut down and all that. And I, I, I didn't even know the bounces back then, but praise God. I mean, she told me that we were talking about the other day. She told me that they were praying for me. I know people were praying all around the world. And uh, so 11 people died and preacher survived. So they got the television cameras up there and here's their question. Their question is, you're, you, you know, you're a great man. They were just trying to build me up. 
I don't believe they believed it for a moment. They said, you're such a great man, and you have such a successful church, and, and uh, you're well-known in this area. And why did such a bad thing happen? Why did God do such a bad thing to such a good man? I don't believe they thought I was good at all. They were just trying to make me look good, good so they could bring down God. And I looked, I mean, you got to understand, I mean, just came out of it of care. I got IV, my hands up like this, my eyes are all bloodshed, I blew an eye out. I mean, it's, it's just, I look like a piece of work there right now. And they're trying to, you know, blame God for it all. And this is what God did. See, this is what God did. And, and I'm up there and I'm in front of the camera and they say, why did God do this? I said, I'm not blaming God. God did it. He brought me through it. Hallelujah. Eleven other people died and I'm still standing. Hallelujah. See, you got to find a way to blame anybody else and I'm saying, it's not going to be profitable if you blame your wife or you, so, you know, be wise, but, you know, blame, you know, Jupiter or Mars or blame the devil or blame a whole legion of imps, but do not blame God. Because if God is your problem, who then is your solution? So somebody said, how do you deal with that in 95 when you lost your faith? How do you deal with that? How do you deal with that continual thing, that question? Here's how I deal with it. I know my God's a good God, and I'm still standing, hallelujah, and He kept me alive for a reason, so I could keep on preaching the gospel and tell everybody my God's a good God, hallelujah. They say, what do you say? This is what I say. In 1995, I gave the devil the finger, and that's all he's getting. <laughs> hallelujah. Everybody say, good God. Secondly, come on, you got to listen faster. The second one is this. See, you got to know. Now, I'm not talking about just saying God's a good God. Go home, meditate upon it, and ask God if there's any, any place in your life where there's any possible view to accusation against Him. Because if there is, you need to bring it to the altar. You need to drop it right there. And you need to walk out knowing my God is a good God. There is no shadow of changing with him. Hallelujah. He's never shady. He's never got a shady moment. He's always on top. And he's always as bright as the noonday sun. Hallelujah. He's always on his game. Hallelujah. He's a good God. Everybody say good. Secondly, you got to know this. Don't worry. This point will be shorter. But somebody's saying, my Lord, this child, man, he's still in the middle of his message. and We're never going to get out of here. No, we're okay. Somebody getting something out of this? Praise God. Okay, God's a good God. Second one is nothing is impossible for God. So I know y'all saying, oh, yeah, yeah, we believe that too. Well, do you really? Huh? Do you really, really, really believe it? See, I found out there's a lot of people believe it with their head but aren't seeing it in their life. As a matter of fact, there's churches that continue. They got banners up. You know, all things are possible. And, and uh, they talk about all the time. You know, I found out there's people that will talk for two hours about their problems and at the end of it say, well, you know, God's able to do exceedingly abundantly. It's like they tack it on the end of two hours of doubt and unbelief just so, you know, the other person will know that they're totally not backslidden. Yeah. Not completely anyways. <laughs> are you listening to me? So let's, Ephesians 3.20 says this. Let's just get it right. Ephesians 3.20 says this. He says, it says, it says, He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. Everybody say, able to do? According to. So don't you ever quote that scripture wrong anymore. Because he's not going to... There's all kinds of Christians never going to see the exceedingly abundantly. There's churches, they quote that God's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all they can ask or think. They're never going to see the exceedingly abundantly because they're not letting God work in them. 
And there's people in churches where God is doing the exceedingly abundant in the church, but they come to the church and they make the mistake that because they come to that church that God's going to do the exceedingly abundantly in their life. But let me tell you, bless God, you'll watch those other Christians excel and prosper and live a successful life and you'll look at your life and after five or ten years you'll say, how come everybody's moved ahead and I'm still sitting here? It's because you haven't let the Spirit of God work in you. He's able, let me put it this way. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly on the outside, far beyond what we could think, imagine, or even have the audacity to pray for, according to what we let him do on the inside. The communication of my faith will only become effective when I acknowledge the one who lives in me, which is Christ Jesus. Are you listening to me? You've got to keep that river flowing on the inside. And I'll tell you something. You can be in a church that's full of life. You can be around people that's full of life. But you, baby, you, baby, you have a responsibility for your own life. And you choose how much you let the flow. And the more you let that flow in, the more you receive the instruction, the more the... Come on, the more you receive the instruction, the more the... The more that you get the revelation, the more the... And the... Hallelujah. And the less you get it, the less you see happen. Come on now. Which brings me to this thought, just moving along, skip past a lot of stuff, but brings me to this thought right here, is why, because God's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask anything, why did Jesus raise so many people from the dead? There's a question. Why did he raise so many people from the dead? Some person yelled out one time and said, because he could. Well, I'm going to tell you, well, I mean, think about it. Jesus messed up every funeral he went to, including his own. Right? Why did Jesus raise so many people from the dead? It's because I believe Jesus knew that it was possible for you to die before you fulfilled your purpose and your destiny. As with an individual life, so with a church. Sharon and I, we've been traveling for years it's churches we've gone to for 25 years, preaching almost every year. And there's some places you go and say, praise God, we're going there. And other ones you go, praise God, we're going there. Hallelujah. You know what I'm talking about. Some are, hallelujah. And others are, praise the Lord. But you know what I'm talking about. Where he leads me, I'll follow. And so, but you understand this. See, see you go to some, and so some churches you go to, and every year, man, I mean, that worship is great, and the prophetic word is great, and the people are hungry for God, and there's a lack of God, and, you know, the lights are on, somebody's actually there, hallelujah, and, I mean, it's wonderful, and, and it's just great, and you see the life of God. And then, not always, but sometimes you come back to that church, and all of a sudden you, you see the same songs, the same prophecy, the same people, but it's like there's a glimmer in the people's eyes of God. It's like they're not receiving. It's like something died on the inside. And you start poking around. You're there for a few days. And you start realizing the pastor said, well, you know, some of the board of governors. Thank God we got rid of that term. You know what a governor does? It just limits how fast you can go. I'll tell you, you directors in this church, you better know this, that you're not called to, to maneuver the ship. You're called here to be a support and a strength. Hallelujah. And to lift up the vision and vision bearers. Come on now. Come on now. 
And so, but I found out that what happened in the church is that somebody on the board or somebody in that church didn't like what was going on. It didn't like the direction, and they thought they were going to manipulate and control it. And they were going to. They, they started. They started to control. And say we've got. You know, we've come far enough, and we've hit Main Street now, and we just don't want to be so wild, and we just don't want to have such crazy worship, and we just don't want to be so excited about the things of God. We just want to be more more mainline. We can attract more people, and you start to realize that somebody wrote the obituary for the church. And while the people are still there and the lights are on, nobody's home. Are you listening to me? And so with it, because how many know if a church does not continue to receive instruction, there will be no. And if a church doesn't get revelation, there will be no. And if there's no manifestation, there'll be no. And this is what happens because I've been to places and I've watched even believers. I, I, believers, I've come up to them, people that were on fire for God and had the flow of God in their life. And I've gone up to them and said, Honey, what's God doing in your life? And she looked, uh, I don't know. Uh, well, I don't know what's He doing in my life. And I want to just, I can't understand. But somebody wrote their own obituary. Come on, they're saved, sanctified, and stuck. And they're never going to see anything more happen because it's not a God that's not able to do exceedingly abundantly. But in their life, He's not able to do exceedingly abundantly because they're not letting God work in them. Are you listening to me? You've got to keep the river flowing in your life. Because the moment you stop that river flowing on the inside is the moment you stop the rivers flowing on the outside. The Bible says, Out of your belly shall flow. Not a river, not a trickle, not a stream, but a flood of rivers. Somebody say rivers. rivers. Hallelujah, I'm almost done, but listen to me. He said, what, what, this is the third one here. He said, here it is, here it is, here it is. I'm winding down. This is my first closing of five. Okay, here it is. I see, this is a, the last one is so important because you've got to know what makes Christianity different than any other religion. What makes Christianity different than other religions? Because we, we fast. Other religions fast. We have some form of, uh, form of humbling ourselves. Other religions have forms of humbling themselves. Come on now. We have forms of, uh, of meditation, which that's where meditation came from, from the Bible, B-I-B-L-E. Other people have twisted it. Come on now. But, but, but we have forms of meditation. And, uh, and so we understand we have a lot of things that are similar to other religions. But what makes us different than any other religion is that we have a resurrection. Say, hello, Jesus alive. No, you've got to understand that Jesus that's alive, that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask a thing that is so good it's embarrassing that same Jesus dwells in us hallelujah and if the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in us it will quicken also our mortal body hallelujah he lives inside of us so I went to one church and, the, and this preacher is preaching on the crucified life now we need to understand that the old man is dead come on now and I'm not against that at all. I'm, that's part of the Bible. We all, you know, we are crucified with Christ. But see, the, 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 they, they got this, they, he's preaching on the crucified life, and he's preaching on it for three months. I go up to preach there for a while, and he says, I've been preaching on the crucified life. And so at five months, I'm talking to him, and he says, I'm still preaching on the crucified life. As a matter of fact, he said, I bought everybody T-shirts. He says, got a T-shirt on, dead man walking. And I said, they're walking through the, he said, I said, how's your, how's your crowd? Oh, it's going down. I said, how's your offerings? Oh, they're not as good as they used to be. 
I said, what's happened? He said, I don't know. People don't seem like they feel like they have to do anything anymore. I said, well, if you teach people that they're so dead that they don't have to get involved in the work of God, no wonder if you don't look, look out soon, you're going to have an empty church. He said, I said, you've got to preach the full gospel, which is this, that we're not dead, only dead with Christ, but praise God, he only stayed dead for a few days. We are resurrected with Christ, hallelujah. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Somebody said, oh, no, it's all about the crucified life. Um, come on up here, Zach. Quick, 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 come on, come on, run. Hallelujah. I want to just show you this because, you see, you need to understand that that scripture says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. You need to understand that scripture is all about you. Everybody say me. Yeah. See, the Bible says, says this. Let's quote it. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Give him a hand, man. Who's that scripture about? Who's that scripture about? It's about you. Paul the Apostle was trying to help people to see that, yeah, I'm the old man's dead. And I reckon my old man to be dead. But my emphasis is not trying to kill the old man all the time. See, if you'd understand that there is a man inside... There's a man in me who turned water into wine and he walked on the sea and he healed a friend of mine and I can't remember the rest of the words but I'm a better man because there's a man in me. Mama knows the words. Come on now. How many know you're a better man because there's a man in me? Are you listening to me? See, the emphasis is not on you dying although you need to know you're dead. The emphasis is on you living and, and, and you need to know you're alive. So years ago, quickly, let me see. I'm going to give me 10 more minutes, please, because I, I really want to finish this. Somebody says, that 10 minutes means 25 minutes? I don't know. I don't know what it means. Come on, I just want to get through this because I know this is so good. You're going to be blessed. Yeah. Listen to me. I'm sorry for taking so long. <laughs> help me. Pray. Jesus, help me. Okay. Okay. So, you're wasting time doing that, Brother Mark. Stop it. Okay, so, so understand this. See, see, I used to pray this prayer when I was a young preacher. I used to say, oh, God, it's all of you and none of me. I thought that was so spiritual. I thought, man, that was just that just sounds like I'm just so humble and I'm just and one day God says, No, it's not. I said, What do you mean? It's all of you and none of me. What I was trying to say is, God, don't let me get in the way of what you want to do tonight. Nevertheless, what I was communicating, what I was trying to say, what I said were two different things. Because I was trying to say, Lord, don't get, let me get in the way of what you want to do through me tonight. And what I was really saying is, God, I don't want to do anything. I want to sit down and let you do it all. And then I realized that God works through people. Whose hands? Whose mouth? Whose feet? Whose pocket? Come on, he works through people. And so, and so I said, God, it's all of you and none of me. He says, no, it's not. I said, what do you mean? He said, I had none of you and I didn't like it. That's why I sent Jesus so that I could retrieve all of you. And most Christians think they, that I just want 10% of them. But I don't want 10% of them. I don't even want 30% of them. I want all of them. So I came to a revelation. I said, okay, it's God, it's all of me. Covered by all of you. Now there's a good confession. I'm not coming, giving Jesus, you know, like somebody said, you know, you know well, you know, it's all God. He's just going to move. We just don't want to get in the way. We just, you know, but God still works through people. 
And so one day I came to the idea, see, I got the revelation that if God was going to move big, that he's going to have to move big in me. And if God's going to move big in me, then he's going to have to move in more than just 10% or 20% or 30% of me that I'm going to have to give them all. We used to say, I want more Jesus. More and more and more. I want more Jesus than I ever had before. I remember that. I want more of his great love. Just a few of us old. So great, so rich, so full and free. I want more of Jesus. So I'll give him more of me. Me, 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 me. Everybody say me. It's all of me, covered by all of him. Somebody say all of me. Not some of you, not just your hand, not just a little bit, not just a couple of hours. It's all of me. You want the communication of your faith to be effective in this world. You're going to have to acknowledge the one who lives inside of you. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And it's not just some hours on some day, sometime during the week, but it's all of me covered by all of him. I'm in him and he's in me and in him I live and move and have my being. And I have this treasure in earth and vessel. Christ in me the hope of glory and the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in me and it quickens my mortal body you ought to shout right now come on hallelujah glory to God so here's another dumb prayer who wants to hear another dumb prayer here's another dumb prayer I used to pray this prayer this is going to bother you but I'm going to work around it if you don't get mad at me catch the gist of my message if you don't like this just you know kind of John the Baptist prayed he must. And I must. Now, see, if you're going to pray that prayer, you need to pray it the right way. Because I'm not so sure John the Baptist really understood what he was praying. Because a couple minutes after he said that, prayed that prayer, he was in jail. He lost out revelation with Jesus, and he said to the disciples, his disciples, he said, go to Jesus and ask him, are you the one or should we look for another? A couple months later, he lost his head. Okay, now watch this. Okay, don't, don't, get me, don't get nervous on me or nobody. See, if you're going to pray that prayer, it wouldn't be wrong to pray that prayer. But when you pray that prayer, you need to know that what the part that decreases in you is your own stupid selfishness and your own lust and all that gobbledygook. But you, you can't decrease if you want to be used of God. You're going to have to give it every ounce of energy you've got. So, so if you're going to pray, you must increase. And you pray, I must decrease. You need to know that the part of your life that's supposed to decrease is your selfishness. Because God's not trying to decrease you. He's trying to increase you. He's trying to bless you. He's trying to heal you. He's trying to prosper you. He's trying to get you healed up on the inside. He's trying to make you an ambassador of Jesus Christ. You're not a, you know, a, a, a delivery boy. You're the, you're the, you carry the very presence of a living God. And it's all of you. Covered by all of Him. So I'm going to prove it to you now. See, some of you are a little bugged by what I just said. So let me prove it to you. So how many know from Genesis to John the Baptist, it was announcements, 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 prophet, prophet, prophet. How many know John the Baptist was the last of the Old Testament prophets? Prophecy, 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 prophecy. He's coming. This one is, you know, the king's coming. The Messiah's coming. The, he'll, he'll, he'll save his people. Come on. And on and on it goes. And finally it comes all the way up to John the Baptist. And he says, there's one coming whose shoes I'm not even worthy to loosen. Right? And I know this to be true because up till then, that time, it was all announcements. But all of a sudden, when John the Baptist said, he must increase, I must decrease, what he was really saying, I believe what he was really saying is, this, this is the end of the announcement because he's here. We talked about a coming kingdom. He's, he's here now. Now watch. Now watch. Now watch this. 
See, uh, he said he's here. And then Jesus turned to his disciples and he said, from the beginning of time till now, there's been no one greater than... And then he turned to his disciples and he said, he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than... John. He's not trying to decrease you. He's trying to increase you. He's trying to bless you. He doesn't want some of you. He wants all of you. Everybody say, all of me. Covered by all of him. Hallelujah. I'll prove it to you right now if you're still a little bit you know, bothered by it. Let me just show you. Because Jesus walks on the scene and says, I am the light of the world. Now you are the light of the world. I am the dwelling place of God. Now you are the dwelling place of God. I do great works. Now you do. Hallelujah. Anybody get anything out of this? Hallelujah. I'll tell you something. Communication of your faith only becomes effectual when you acknowledge the one who lives inside of you. Let me wind this up. So Jesus, uh, you know, Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat. Remember that story? Now, not every time they went across the Sea of Galilee where there's storms. But we have two records when Jesus told them to go across the storm, the, the Sea of Galilee. There was a storm, which tells me that if God tells you to do something, whether it's easy or hard, it doesn't make no never minds. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's hard. But if Jesus is in it, you're going to get to the other side. Okay, so he tells the disciples. They're in the, I like to think, now this, I have no Bible for this, but I like to think, this is my own opinion, I like to think that Jesus was asleep with one eye open. Because there's a big storm and the disciples were all getting bothered and all this. And finally one of the disciples gets up and he says, Master, do you not care that we perish? I like to think Jesus got up and said, No, I don't. You say, why wouldn't Jesus care? It's not that Jesus wouldn't care that they might perish. But he knew that they were going to perish because he already told them they're going to the other side. Right? Okay, this whole message in that, but I'll pass it. Praise God. And so Jesus stands up in the boat, and you know the story. He says, Peace be still. Right? And when Jesus commanded the storms, rebuked the storms, how many know he wasn't rebuking his father? Okay. So it's just peace to be still. And what happened? The storm ceased. And immediately they're on the other side. What happened? What was on the inside of him came to the outside. Are you hearing me? What was on the inside came to the outside. Which tells me you have power over any storm you can sleep through. Okay. Let's wind this thing up. Two, two last stories. Peter, a few months later. Fast, fast forward. Peter, a couple months later. He goes walking down the street. Here we come. Walking down the street, get the funniest looks at. Oh, sorry, wrong song. He's walking down the street. Remember this? He's walking down the street, and the Bible says his shadow healed the sick. Now, how many know there's no power in a shadow? But the Bible says as he walked down the street, people began to get healed. And how many know if you're walking down, you know, the highway here? On the, in the gravel and you're on the gravel and the truck's on the, the tarmac how many know if for a moment the sun gets blocked because of the shadow of the truck if the truck's in its lane and you in your lane how many know that that shadow's not going to hurt you come on alright but Peter walked through the streets and his shadow healed the sick somebody said what was happening 
You want to know what's happening? His internal world was leaking. I want to live like that, man. I want to live like that. I just, I want to live like that. I have a desire in my heart. I want to live like that. I want my inner man to be stronger than my outer man. I want the, I want the revelation of Christ Jesus to be in me. I, 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 I want, I want to be like that man Peter that walked. I want my internal world to leak with good things. Some of your worlds are leaking. That's because you're crackpots. Oh, I didn't say that. Let me give you this last. 3 John verse 2 says this. It says, I wish above all things you prosper and be in good health. As your soul prospers. So, how many know we've been preaching healing and prosperity for 25 years, 30 years? Come on now. How many have a clue what prosperity might look like? How many know we're not yet there? But how many know we've got to keep prophesying? We need to keep confessing the gap until we get there. And I'm hearing right now, I'm hearing really good stories about churches that are starting kingdom businesses and they're prospering. I'm hearing five, six businesses just on this trip, five, six businesses that are being raised up right now to, to finance the kingdom of God and they're doing very well. And so I think we're moving into it, but we're not yet there. But how many have a clue what it might look like? How many of you like to be in a service like this and, and, and somebody stands up on one side and says, Brother, brother Pastor, I just got a word right now. Somebody has a, a, a mortgage payment. They're behind three months and they're about ready to lose their house and their payment is, you know, $1,222. And God told me to pay those three months. And, and, and I just want to know who it is. And somebody stands up the other side. That's me. And the, and the guy says, well, God just didn't tell me to pay your three months in arrears, but he told me to pay off your whole mortgage. I think the Lord told me it's $79,000. Is that right? Yes, me. Hallelujah. I'm going to like to be in a service like that. I mean, praise God. Here's the check. Somebody else stands up on the other side and says, oh, you know, God just told me that there's somebody in this place that, that, has a, that wanted to buy a car. Their car's broke down. They can't get any credit, and they don't know. And God just, and you, you really, you've been driving beat up old junkers for a long time. But God just told me to buy you a real nice, you know, SUV. And here, you know, who's that person? You're driving a beat up old black, you know, car with a rusty bald tires, and and and, and you're here. It's a Ford, and that explains the whole thing right there. And, and uh, fix or repair daily, and 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 and, 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 uh, and you're here right now. That's me. That's me. God just told me to buy you an SUV. Here's forty grand. Come on. And how many would like to be in some service like that? I believe. Before this thing winds up, we're going to be in services like that. I mean, how many think they have a clue of what healing might look like? It might look like not having to sit at the side of your bed for a minute and a half to get your equilibrium before you stand up. It might, not, it might be like walking, getting out of bed and walking straight instead of having to go like this on the way to the washroom. Some of you, you know what I'm talking about. How many have a clue what prosperity might look like? How many have a clue what healing might look like? And I believe we're moving into it. We need to keep the pressure on the word. We need to keep preaching it. We need to stand upon the word. Come on now. But listen to me. The Bible doesn't say, I wish above all things you prosper and be in good health. It says, I wish above all things you would prosper and be in good health as your soul prospers. Somebody said, I want to be rich so I can demonstrate the power of God. And then they get rich and they don't demonstrate any power of God. Just a bunch of greed. Somebody says, I want to be healed so I can demonstrate the power of God. And then they get healed and they go out to the bars and start dancing around. 
Jesus said, I wish, the word of God says, I wish above all things you prosper and be good health as your soul prospers. What might prosperity, I'm done, one minute, promise. What would prosperity might look like? Might look like sitting down in Tim Hortons or Starbucks, depending on which denomination you belong to. It might be just sitting there and you're sitting there with a friend and all of a sudden you feel the Spirit of God. Come on now. And your head's going, oh, not right now, God. And your spirit's going, yeah. And God says, you see that guy over there? He's suicidal. And so, because you, you want to be led by the Spirit, you want the communication of your faith to be effectual. You don't want to just be an empty head talking to another empty head. You don't want to be head to head or flesh to flesh, but you want spirit deep calls on the spirit. And you go over to that person and say, Sir, I don't want to be, I don't mean to be intrusive, but can I talk to you for a moment? He said, You know, I, I feel, tell me if I'm wrong, but I just kind of feel like this morning you just came storming out of your house. And you were ready. Sir, if I'm wrong, tell me. But you were. You were thinking about committing suicide. And the guy starts to well up with tears in his eyes. And sir, the only reason why you're here right now is not because of that woman. The only reason why you're in Tim Hortons now and haven't already done it is not because of the woman, but it's because of that woman's daughter. You don't want to give that little daughter. She's been through enough. And you don't want that daughter to have another major, major blow to her life and the reason why you're sitting here in this room right now instead of having already done it is because of that little girl and he begins to weep and cry come on now come on now how many think that might be spiritual prosperity I don't know about you, but I believe there's, there's a man that lives inside of us that can cause us to live and move like that. I, I believe there's a man that can cause us to read people's mail without being spooky and loony and freaky and religious and all that gobbledygook. I believe there's a man inside, and I don't much about you, but I want that inner man to move into the outward man. I want him to live on the outside of my life as much as he lives on the inside. And the communication of your faith will only be effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you who is Christ Jesus somebody say I have a treasure in earthen vessel lift up your hands right now thank you Jesus